Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Everyone and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we wanted to talk a bit about a subject that's kind of a sore subject among uh, among writers, uh, teachers. Teachers um, especially, I would say. Yeah, sometimes librarians. Uh, a- anyone involved in heavy research. Yeah, uh, and and... It's a matter of some debate among lots and lots of people online, and there are good points and bad points. We're going to cover them all. We are, of course, talking about Wikipedia. And uh, you guys who are longtime listeners of Tech Stuff might remember that Chris and I did an episode about wikis, and we touched upon Wikipedia a little bit, uh, but that was many years ago. Other stuff has happened, as things are wont to do <laughs> uh-huh. over the course of time, and we decided we wanted to really look at what made Wikipedia, what it was, 
and what it is and how has it changed over the time that it's existed and and some of the reasons why Wikipedia is a very useful tool and some reasons why people either maybe and, maybe not dismiss it but sure. but uh, but but some ways that it could perhaps be improved yeah and and reasons why some people uh, suggest extreme caution before relying too heavily upon it. Um, and, and before we get really into this at all, you know, I used to write for HowStuffWorks.com a lot. I, I occasionally still do, but I mostly do podcasts now and mm-hmm. things like that. And blogs are about, about the writing level at this yeah, juncture. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I used to write these, these long articles. And one of the, the policies at HowStuffWorks uh, is that you do not use Wikipedia as a source. Ever. Ever. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, I used to be an editor before I was a podcaster and social media person. And yes, that was one of the things that we very firmly enforced. Right. Or, and, or still do. And, and really the reason for that has nothing to do with whether or not the infor- – well, it has something to do with whether or not the information you find on Wikipedia is reliable. But more importantly, Wikipedia is a dynamic – Thing. Right. It can be written and edited by anybody. At any time. And so when you sit there and cite something from Wikipedia, it may be the next time someone visits that particular entry, the, the, uh, information has changed. And it may be that the information now is more accurate than it was or maybe less accurate. At any rate, the things that make Wikipedia a useful tool in day-to-day, I need to get this information, are the same things that make it a dangerous tool right. if you are writing in any sort of academic or professional uh, uh, capacity. Capacity, sure. yeah. Thank you, editor, for giving uh, me the word that I don't have. Uh, but but really, before we get into all the pros and cons that I've already just touched on, uh, <laughs> we're, let's talk about the history. So before there was a Wikipedia, back when there was just barely a web. Yeah, yeah. It was more more local networks of computers, and some of them could, you know, key into other local networks. Yeah, th- we, we did have an internet, uh, and the web was a thing, but it was very young. But back in 1993... So, you know, the web essentially is introduced in 92, right? Right. 93, so web has not been around for very long. Rick Gates comes up with this idea. He says, uh, you know what would be really super awesome? If, uh, if we were to build an encyclopedia that lived on the internet. And if you made that encyclopedia something that anyone could contribute to, so that way you could tap into the world's knowledge and people who are really uh, Just experts. experts in whatever field that they're in, they can go in and share that knowledge. And- right. And and then you have the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Right. Except it's really the Hitchhiker's Guide to Earth. Uh, so it would be more than mostly uh, harmless. Earth and a small amount of the surrounding galaxy. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. But. Essentially, the the sum total of what human knowledge is uh-huh. could go on the internet and be in a database that you could search, and it would be the world's most complete encyclopedia. Uh, a, a fellow by the name of R. L. Samuel uh, came up with an idea to call it Interpedia, and it was kind of this interesting point of discussion. But it never went beyond that. It was just one of those. Hey, Wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe if someone who has more time and resources could do this, it would be awesome. Uh, and then in 1994, a very important development happened. And I was amazed that it happened this early. 
because this was the development of the wiki platform. And the fact right. that it happened in 94 amazes me because I was largely unaware of wikis until Wikipedia came along. Yeah, me as well. So, I mean, I had been on the web since the early 90s, but I just didn't know about wikis for many years. I mean, almost a decade. Uh, and it was, um, and, and when I finally did start to learn about wikis, they were strange and unusual to me because it was a different experience than your average website. Uh, right, yeah. Usually most websites and most books are based on this idea that there is one expert who is who is this terrific expert and is talking to you about this thing. Yeah. And, and, they, that's, and that's where it starts and stops. You know, no one's arguing with them particularly. Uh, right. There might be some form of comment. Uh, uh, ability on a site where people can contribute to the discussion. But in general, the content of the site itself is created by a person or an organization, but no one else. Right. It's not like, you know, Bob can just log in and put in Bob's section and then Joe over here logs in and puts in Joe's section. Right. It's uh, Bob and Joe can't do anything because they can just go and view the site. Well, the wiki was based on a completely different idea, and it was designed by a guy named Ward Cunningham. And this first one was for software developers. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he, he worked for a software consulting company uh, that he was a partner in. It was Cunningham & Cunningham, also known as C2.com. And he was developing this, uh, this platform for Portland Pattern Repository. And he called it WikiWikiWeb. Uh, right, based on the Hawaiian word wiki or wiki wiki, which means um, quick, quick. Yeah, there's a uh, the wiki wiki shuttle in Honolulu, which is a ho- uh, an airport shuttle. Oh, I've been on the shuttle, and I remember my wife being really amused every time she saw the wiki wiki shuttle. She just loved wiki wiki. <laughs> uh, obviously, I've married the right woman. So, uh, so Ward Cunningham comes up with this idea for the wiki, and essentially what a wiki is, is it's a website that has collaborative editing tools built into the site itself. So you you navigate to the site through a browser, right? and within the browser, you can make changes to the site uh, collaboratively. So you, depending upon the level of, of administrative power you have, you can, uh, you can edit things, you can add things, you can delete things. And it's since it's all within the web browser, you're using a basic markup language or maybe some sort of rich text editor. And it'll let people collaborate on projects, even if they had different machines, right? So if Lauren's using a Mac and I'm using a PC, not only do we hate each other, but often we can't work on the same thing because our platforms are so different. Right. But this is web-based. So all we have to do is use whichever browser. Whichever web browser we both can use. And then we navigate there and we can make these changes and build our collaborative I hate you website together. And other people can join in and explain why they hate everybody too. And... I don't know why I'm so negative today, but apparently that's how this is going to work. But anyway, so Cunningham develops this wiki technology, which is what makes Wikipedia possible. But we're not at Wikipedia yet. Now, right, because yeah, well, or go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in 1999, that's when we start talking about Jimmy Wales, who is kind of the the face of Wikipedia. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I was I was going to say that at the same time around 1994 was uh when Jimmy Wales had dropped out of college. Uh he he had started um started a couple months or uh, for a finance PhD from Indiana University mm-hmm. and wound up instead of doing that uh, going to Chicago to be a uh, futures and options trader. And supposedly, much like uh, Elon Musk, who we have previously profiled, Jimmy Wales noticed that you know Netscape went public 
and and what quadrupled in value yeah, overnight. Netscape did well. Yes, <laughs> they did good. Yeah. Um, and and took note of that and said, hey, this internet thing that I've been kind of playing around with for a few years, I think that this could be a thing. Yeah, this this might go places. Uh, and of course, remember, this is all before the the dot com bubble burst too. So of course, uh, back then it was all opportunity and wild west, and no one was really sure. And bright shining dreams. Yeah, and- it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, you know the the roads weren't paved with gold, but they were paved with stock options. Uh, Jimmy Wales has this thought uh, while he's working for a uh, uh, well, he he uh, he's part owner of a company called Bomus.com, uh, which uh, is a search engine. Yeah, and he owned that with uh, two other joint owners, Tim Shell and Michael Davis. Well, in '99, he comes up with his version, his idea for a free collaborative encyclopedia. And he, he taps a guy named Larry Sanger to be the project lead for this new encyclopedia. Now, he knew Sanger from mailing lists because this isn't that long after the fact that people were just using things like Usenet and mailing lists instead of the web. And uh, and so he, he got in touch with Sanger and, and convinced Sanger to head up a project, uh, this this collaborative encyclopedia, which at that point did not have a name. Uh, right, right, yeah, and you know they have been thinking. Uh, I've read about open source software and and how open source culture could also be a thing. Yeah, and 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 a beautiful thing, and so. And yeah, and that was kind of when you look back at uh, Tim Berners Lee, who's the guy who essentially created what we know of as the web. Uh, that was sort of his approach too. He thought that open was the right way to go. Mm-hmm. That the open collaborative way would mean that the internet becomes the world's tool, not any one uh, company or government's tool. Sure. And so, uh, th- this was sort of the idea of, of, let's make an encyclopedia that follows those same kind of philosophies. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so Wales and Sanger and a few others start to form a project that they call Newpedia, N-U-P-E-D-I-A. And this was a peer-reviewed encyclopedia that they were going to put online. And, you know, because they wanted that, they wanted that expert opinion to come right. in and they wanted everything to be as, as factual and uh, reliable as possible. Exactly. In fact, Sanger, that was, he was passionate about this. He said that, you know, you could create an online encyclopedia where everyone just contributes, but if you want it to be a reliable resource, you need that peer review step in there. So, and, it, and it turned out, it turned out to be extremely slow to to a get people to submit anything at all because it was it was intimidating and, yeah. and b to to you know find the correct expert to to look it over and also yeah the 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 review process was as Sanger would describe later laborious. Huh. Um, so 2000 is when Newpedia starts and it starts in the middle of 2000 or so. And uh, they they had an advisory board, a, a sort of a peer review board, made up of PhD volunteers. So these are people who are not even being paid; they're volunteering their expertise to review papers to make sure that they are uh, they're ready for publication. So this is like if you were to submit a paper to an academic journal, right, or a scientific journal. You uh-huh. know, it's something that. It's not just automatically going to get published. It has to be reviewed and pass review. There might be a, a, a lengthy revision process before it will ever be published. Mm-hmm. So there were seven steps in this review process for Newpedia. Uh-huh. And, and they did they did think that, that it would work. I, I read somewhere that, that Wales really thought that, you know, it had been in conversations with people on the Internet and had realized that if it's something that they feel passionate about, that they're usually really willing to engage in that conversation and to help. Yeah, so the idea was that you know, you get people who are really smart 
a lot of really smart people enjoy spreading knowledge. Not around. that we would know anything about wanting to show off knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really smart, but I still like to do it. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's why I play trivia is really just to show off how smart I am. But I know that compared to these people, I was, and still am, stupid. But anyway, Aww. so, or at least, okay, uh, no. I'm stupid. It's I'm a different way. Oh, anyway. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, everyone's special and nobody is. Um, so yeah, the seven step process to publish, to, to review before you would publish an article. Uh, it turned out that this was a bit of a bottleneck. Um, and the very first Newpedia article that was ever published was written by Christoph Hust and it was about atonality. And it was published in the summer of 2000. So it was early 2000 when they started working on Newpedia. Uh, at that time, the entire submission and review process was all through mailing lists. It was, there wasn't a web-based version yet. Right. And so, uh, the first article publishes in the summer of 2000. It was either June or July, according to Sanger, who wrote about this. Uh, I found it on Slashdot. He wrote, a two-part piece that was essentially about the whole beginning of Wikipedia, which started with this Newpedia thing. Well, in January 2001, Sanger and Wales meet up with a guy named Ben Kovitz at the infamous taco stand meeting. Taco stand meeting. Yeah, they, yes. they were in California and they were at a taco stand and they started talking. And uh, Kovitz told Wales and Sanger about Cunningham's WikiWiki web platform. And they thought about this as being uh, a tool that would allow for collaborative work and make it much easier to get articles. And and Sanger was still thinking about this peer review process. Oh, right, right. Uh, But they were thinking that in order to get more submissions, in order to make it a little bit less intimidating for people to, you know, to, to submit an article to this crazy peer review thing. Yeah, to say, like, don't worry so much about the quality, just submit stuff. Because it turned out that... Uh, you know, that one of the things they were worried about was that they needed to have content. Uh-huh. And, and part of the philosophy was that if we can fix content, if the content's not perfect, we can still edit it once we get it. But if we never get any content, right. there's no encyclopedia. Right, because I think at the time they had, they had maybe 20 articles. I mean, something, you know, a, a very low number. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was 25 articles by the winter of 2001. So summer 2000, their first article publishes. More than a year later, they have 25 articles on Newpedia. Which is more articles than I write in a year, but I mean. It was fewer than what I wrote in a year. <laughs> in a year, I would write around 100 articles. So sure, sure. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, but that's, that shows you there was this bottleneck process and, and, you know, you find out that a volunteer might love their field of expertise, but they're still a volunteer. So they're still, they're still limited by the fact that they have to do other things, most mm-hmm. of them, unless they're independently wealthy. They have other responsibilities they have to attend to. Uh, but while they were thinking about this, they decided to launch a, uh, a wiki for Newpedia. And they launched that wiki on January 10th, 2001. So Newpedia is still a thing, but they launch a wiki for it uh, with the idea of making it this faster way to contribute articles. Mm. And I think it actually goes live on January 15th. If any of you know about Wikipedia Day and are going like, that wasn't on the 10th. Well, that's here's why. Mm -hmm. The wiki goes live on the 10th. Mm -hmm. The advisory board says, I don't want anything to do with that. Like essentially what happened was the peer review board looked at the wiki and said, look, we have these other backlog of articles that we're still reviewing. We cannot deal with this nonsense. So what happened was the Newpedia wiki split 
from Newpedia and became its own thing. And on January 15th, it became Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Right. So Wikipedia began as a branch of Newpedia, where it was all going to be peer-reviewed, but then became its own thing, where the peer review kind of went away. The idea was that the community would review. And so it wouldn't be peer-reviewed in the sense of an official board of experts. It would be the community of Wikipedia collectively right. would be able to review and edit the content that right. was being uploaded. And and that, that kind of um, spread of the workload was really important because they had 150 entries by the end of February. Yeah, it was... Uh, and it, it went really pretty crazy. The, according to Sanger, he said by the end of January 2001, there were 600 articles on Wikipedia. Okay. Well, so, so 25 so, so, to 600. <laughs> but that's Sanger. This, and that was from memory. Uh-huh. So you okay. got to keep in mind, this is Sanger writing in 2005 uh-huh. about what happened in 2001. Yes. So Sanger says that by the end of 2001, there were 600 articles. And by March, or by the end of January 2001, there were 600 articles. By March, 1,300. By April, 2,300. Oh and goodness. by May, 3,900. So not only were more articles coming online, but it w- the growth rate was increasing over mm-hmm. time. Not exponentially, but pretty pretty regularly. Sure. So it was very quickly becoming popular. And uh, uh, in April 2001, that's when Jimmy Wales decided to, uh, to, to post a thing where he defined that the Wikipedia voice was to be one of neutral point of view, or NPOV. And uh, Sanger actually objected to this as well. Not that he objected to the idea of neutrality. He sure. thought that was important. He objected to the phrase point of view because he said that it still means that the article has a point of view and it shouldn't. Sanger, in some of his uh, points I was reading in this uh, stuff I saw on Slashdot, uh, I was thinking, this is getting to be a little, a bit, little bit about semantics. Weird and pedantic. And, yeah, yeah, a that's... little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I respect a lot of what he was saying. But oh, I sure, think absolutely. It's some... And I think that, that, you know, pedantic has a place yeah. on the Internet, absolutely. For, <laughs> well, but does whenever I'm in a comment. It's my first weapon of choice. Um, anyway, uh, so by the winter of 2001, that's when only 25 articles had published on Newpedia, and the approval process moved so slowly that even when the tools to review and approve articles moved from email to web-based clients, it just wasn't doing very well. Uh-huh. And because it was such a slow process, more and more of the people involved in it began to neglect it and drop off of it. And Wikipedia, by, at that same time, was getting more and more popular. So, off, yeah. Yeah, so Sanger's uh, responsibilities were starting to shift more toward Wikipedia than Newpedia, simply because that's where all the action was. So by 2001 and into 2002, Newpedia activity had slowed dramatically. And uh, and also the, the bubble by then, the dot-com bubble, had burst, which really kind of wiped out a lot of the folks who were uh, contributing in some sure. way. Uh, so that kind of also uh, made the funding kind of dry up for Newpedia. Uh, Wikipedia, by the way, was existing at that time and still is to this day on donations. Right. Um, so the Newpedia was trying really hard to redefine the rules that were needed to review submissions so that they could streamline the process. But by that time, it was... It was too little, too late. Sure. Uh, and, and it gets really sad in another year, but I'll, when I get there, I'll mention it. So um, even at this early stage of Wikipedia, Sanger was really saying, let's pay attention to what experts have to say. Let's give them special attention and respect 
and make sure that their voices are uh, the ones we pay the most attention to. Not that we won't accept submissions from the general public, but that we should pay more attention to things that are coming from people who are recognized from as credible experts. sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz again, this is this is Sanger saying that in order to be a a credible resource for people, you have to have some form of uh review or or you know, you have to have some way of of saying the information here is from Right, right. The same way that scientific journals won't just, you know, accept accepts research that has not been checked over right. by a peer review system because At least it's, it's ideally anyway. Ideally, right. right. If, you, if you ever hear in fact this is just a little side note, uh this is important if you're reading something on Wikipedia and you look at the references, it's something that Lauren and I do a lot. Uh it's important also to pay attention to what the references are because there are scientific, quote unquote, scientific papers out there that are actually blogs that aren't <laughs> scientific papers. Right, right. So then you will, quote unquote, have a paper published in a scientific journal, but it's not a peer reviewed scientific journal. Correct. Yeah. I see this with a lot of free energy papers where free yeah. energy is one of those things where like, well, it was published in such and such. I'm like, yeah, I checked that out. That's that guy's personal blog. He called it the Journal of Nuclear Physics, but it's just but it his was blog. a live journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, <laughs> yeah. We, we just did an episode about uh, about nuclear power, not uh, fusion power. Yeah, and yeah, there and was cold a, fusion and cold fusion, and there was a lot of that. Yeah, so that, that that's stuck in my head. Yes, exactly. If you do research on cold fusion, you'll find quote unquote papers, but they are posted on online resources that turn out to be not an actual scientific journal. Right. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the research is unreliable. It just means that you don't have that peer review to really be sure that right. it's passed yeah. muster. And and also, uh, before I was an editor here, I was actually an editor for a medical research journal um, about uh, uh, rheumatism. And so, so I am intimately inqu- acquainted with the peer review process. Yeah. Uh, well, moving on, uh, talking about the difference between Wikipedia and peer review, Sanger actually talked about how he had suggested a rule called ignore all rules. And in his uh, 2005 uh, re- recounting of the beginning of Wikipedia, he said that uh, the Wikipedia community might be surprised to hear that he was the one who's, who suggested that. Because, you know, again, Sanger was the one who was all about peer review. Mm-hmm. And here he is saying ignore all rules. And his his philosophy was that Again, they wanted to get as much content on Wikipedia as possible. And if the rules intimidated someone so that they did not feel like they were uh, qualified or capable of posting, he wanted to take that barrier away. Right. Uh, but he thought of that as a temporary measure, something to to get Wikipedia going, to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not as something that would wind up being one of the continuing five pillars of right. Wikipedia not, today. Not a, not a central uh, central tenet of the entire uh, of the entire site. Concept, yeah. yeah. So ignore all rules. He, he he kind of later on said that I I kind of regret saying that now because he felt that that was one of the the paths Downfalls that yeah of of, of his, yeah, there was a little bit of a falling out. Yeah. No, there's yeah. Sanger <laughs> Sanger definitely. Uh, if you read his stuff, you see and. I mean, this, there's there's a lot of rancor on both parts, right? Absolutely. Uh, Sanger has a lot to say about the direction that Wikipedia took, and uh, and it it's pretty clear that he feels that it's not ideal. I mean, I, he doesn't outright come out and say that this is uh, it's it's useless or anything like that, but he has a lot of criticisms. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, the Wikipedia community, in turn, has a lot of criticisms that they direct to Sanger, and they bo- both sides have relevant points. So even though I'm talking a lot about Sanger, it's mainly because that. That's, that's the account I went with uh, 
for the, the history. Early years. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not that it's not that I necessarily side one hundred percent with Sanger. I'm not that far to that extreme. Uh, anyway, a lot of the the uh, policies of Wikipedia actually came out of the community. It became sort of communal decisions of how the site should work, which was kind of interesting because they had originally thought of it being sort of, again, an extension of Newpedia, but this became more of the open communal approach to the Internet, which, again, is more of the Tim Berners-Lee approach, Sure, which makes it a lot harder to direct. You know, you can't, you know, when you've got a, a group of 50 people who have all decided they want to go left, it's really hard to make them go right. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're one guy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and there's there's voting systems in place. There's, you know, e- even back in those days, there were a lot of uh, a lot of ways for people to communicate with each other. These ideas that they had for the community. But- yeah, uh, they they had decided that uh, that Wikipedia content would always remain free for others to read and edit. Uh, meaning that there would never be a point where there'd be a paywall or subscription for Wikipedia. And uh they also, you know, were putting in those policies that allowed people to publish rough drafts or rough ideas that could be polished over time, either by themselves or by other people. And then Google started to uh, include Wikipedia in its search results for different topics, which meant that there was suddenly a huge rush of Influx new of, yeah. people. Yeah. And and. Sanger noticed, like, as more people were coming to visit Wikipedia, more of them were getting involved as editors and contributors. So that meant that even, that as the Wikipedia traffic was increasing, so was the content. You were suddenly seeing even faster growth as far as how much information was being contained within Wikipedia. Um, in the summer of, uh, uh, well, one of the before I get to the summer of two thousand one, one thing Sanger did note was that even in those early days, they, he was starting to notice that people who were difficult and who were persistent uh, were sometimes irritating very valuable members of the Wikipedia community, and the valuable members were like, "I don't need this. I never mind. I'm a volunteer. Yeah, yeah. See ya." And they just left. And then, uh, so that meant that you started to have more of the persistent difficult type and fewer of the valuable expert types. Uh, and Sanger saw that as another kind of downfall of Wikipedia. And there, there was, there wasn't really any way to counteract that, uh, without essentially violating kind of those philosophies that Wikipedia was founded upon. Right. And, you know, one of those philosophies is definitely that, that editors and contributors should be polite to each other. Which happens sometimes. But, but yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's human error. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the vast majority, I, anyway. I think, I think the vast majority of people who are regular contributors to Wikipedia are, uh, in general, very courteous. Yes. But all it takes is, are a few trolls to really stir things up. And, uh, and trolls who are particularly effective can cause huge amounts of frustration in a community. Um, and in fact, that's, that's why they do it. <laughs> you know, it's, right. <laughs> so with a little effort, they make a big impact. And, uh, boy, we did a whole episode on how trolls work. It was a great one. You guys should go back and listen to that one. But in summer of 2001, someone ended up using the editing tools to vandalize the front page of Wikipedia because that was one of the ones you could edit back in those days. And, uh, and so they vandalized it and then someone tried to archive the vandalized page. So Sanger, went in and deleted the archive. So then they kind of reposted the archive somewhere else and Sanger went in and deleted that. And this became a big 
kerfuffle between Sanger and the community. The community, not the entire community, but there were sections of the community that said, you are overstepping your bounds. Right. This is not yours to do this with. You're this abusing is, power. Powers. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. The fact that you have the ability to do that doesn't mean that you are. Should. Or, yeah, that you should do that. Yeah. Like, you you are capable of doing that, but you should not do it. And, uh, and Sanger was like, this is kind of silly. The whole point of this is that we don't want the vandalized version of Wikipedia to be a representation of Wikipedia. We don't want that to come up in search because it hurts the community. I, I don't see where the problem is. And others were saying, no, 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 that's beside the point. It doesn't matter what the content is. It's the matter. The matter is that you've right. deleted if, it. You've if, overstepped. If you, start, and, if you start deleting, then where does it end? Right. You've bypassed yeah. the whole process. And by bypassing it, you've rendered the process meaningless. And it, it went from kerfuffle to uh, shenanigans. Huh. Well, in uh, in 2002, February 2002, Sanger is laid off of Wikipedia. At that point, uh, the dot-com bubble bursting had really started to take its effect. Newpedia essentially was, was petering out at that point. And, uh, and at first, Sanger was, had his, had his, uh, salary reduced a couple times, I think. And then he was laid off. He continued to work in a volunteer capacity for a little while. Also in February 2002, the Spanish language version of Wikipedia forked off of the main version and became, uh, Encyclopedia Libre. And the reason for the split was that the, the people working on the Spanish side were worried that there was going to be problems with censorship. Thing, oh, wow. Thing, things like uh-huh. Sanger deleting stuff. Yeah. And also there was worry that uh, Wikipedia would soon start to institute advertising on its site to monetize Wikipedia. And that there was a worry there that by monetizing Wikipedia, you would compromise the site's integrity. Sure. Which is something that Sanger was saying didn't exist because of the lack of peer review. So it's kind of this interesting, like, you're, you're, you're going to ruin the integrity of the site. And Sanger's like, what integrity? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so... That was an interesting discussion. And in August of 2002, Jimmy Wales said that Wikipedia would never run ads on its site. And in fact, that's also when Wikipedia.com became Wikipedia.org as sort of a, an, a, a, an example of this is, this is who we are. Yes. We are not, we're not a, we we're not, not a company. Yeah. We're an organization. Uh, in December of that year, in 2002, they launched Wiktionary, which is kind of funny because there was a whole page on Wikipedia about how Wikipedia is not a dictionary. Not a dictionary. So they did Wiktionary. Now, Lauren, let me ask you this. Do you think – now, I, I can understand the value of an open source, crowdsourced encyclopedia. Sure. Because there are huge disciplines of knowledge out there. There are people who are experts in it. There are people who have experience with it. There are researchers who really know what they're doing when they're looking into that sort of stuff. And the more minds you bring into an encyclopedia, the better chance you have of getting a a fuller picture of whatever it is, right? Do you see the same thing being valuable in a dictionary? Well, okay. The, the the thing about dictionaries, I think, now that you ask me, is that um, you know there there are these really terrific, very thorough sources like the Oxford English. Um, yeah, it, it's probably the pinnacle of English dictionaries. If if I'm allowed to make that kind of qualitative statement right now, I'm American Heritage myself, but you know, well, I support. I didn't I su- know that about you, John. I support my I support my country. Why do you hate America, Lauren? Why do you hate America? 
Oh, well, well, because okay, so so well, you know, there there are, the, there are these large resource dictionaries that have a, a terrific wealth of historical information behind them. Um, however, they are a little bit slow on the uptake of new words. I see. So you would see the value of Wiktionary being something that could incorporate words that are entering the lexicon uh, that would maybe take five to ten years to start at, at the at the fastest speed possible, five to ten years to be incorporated into a dictionary, uh, a classic dictionary. Oh, right. And also, you know, to, to do it in a way that is that is, you know, a not branded, because um, because as, as, as much as I as much as I do love very specific dictionaries, they're they're brands, they're companies, they're they're out there to make a profit. Um, at the end of the day. And so, so having a, a open source one is a really terrific idea and having one that's perhaps better policed than, for example, Urban Dictionary, <laughs> I think, I think right, is fair. a good, a good thing to do. Okay. Although, to be fair, it's still community policed. <laughs> well, it is, but ju- I, I would say that the quality of policing on okay, w- Wiktionary versus Urban Dictionary is, um. That's fair. That's fair. I, I can I can agree to that because I don't know of any policing that happens on urban. Dictionary. I don't think that that's a thing. No. Uh, so June two thousand three, Wales announces the Wikimedia Foundation, which is a non profit that administrates Wikipedia. And in September two thousand three, Newpedia's servers crash, and it never comes back. Yeah, it just shuts down. <laughs> well, um, has... you know, the, the computer failed, so we're just gonna leave it. I don't think it ever really got more than those twenty twenty five articles. I yeah. think that was I think that was about it. Kind of the peak. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Newpedia was a failed experiment. Wikipedia, the what was originally going to just be a little offshoot of Newpedia, was already a rousing success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there were many other uh, non-English sites that were that were launching around that time. I think that not all of them had officially split off yet. Right. Um, but there were there were at least seventeen different yep. languages being yep. worked on within Wikipedia. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about with Wikipedia, but before we do, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Working remotely. Where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. All right, now back to Wikipedia. Okay, so we just talked about 2003. Do you have anything between 2003 and 2005? Because otherwise I'm just going to skip right on ahead. Um, I believe that in 2004, Wikia was founded, um, oh, which, right, is, right. which is the for-profit uh, kind of branch of Wikipedia that um, that maintains a whole bunch of... of Entertainment, mostly related wikis. Um, I think I think that the uh, the Wikipedia is among them, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and you know, those are the wikis that I've recently become more and more familiar with because you know, pretty much any kind of uh, entertainment thing out there has its own wiki mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, I can't believe this has a wiki. I can't believe tech stuff doesn't. Uh, anyway. But, but but yeah hint, so hint. so so yeah so and these these are ad supported um however they're still community run and uh you know yeah right right so so similar uh, but again th- following more along the wiki lines of uh, uh philosophy rather than the wikipedia one because again the one of the things sanger also said in his in his talks or in his uh writings was that um you know he he saw that the wiki philosophy was kind of counter to that of an encyclopedia like the two did not did not mesh. move you know it didn't mesh in a very very seamless way and that uh that that was a concern to him but that he felt that because wikipedia was specifically supposed to be an encyclopedia it helped guide the policies uh for better or for worse so it's the the community on wikipedia is not exactly the same as what you would find on your average wiki right. because the the process is slightly different because it has a very specific purpose to be an encyclopedia. Well, uh in 2005 Wired published a report that said that uh that Jimmy Wales had done something that is generally frowned upon within the Wikipedia community. And that is to edit your own page 18 times apparently. Hmm. And supposedly the edits that were made um were removing things like uh uh like Sanger's Involvement in the early uh, genesis of Wikipedia. Yeah, it, essentially there was a there was a charge that Wales had removed a sentence that had referred to Sanger as a co-founder of right. Wikipedia, um, and then there were other things as well that that Wales said was ju- it was just an attempt to remove some inaccuracies. It wasn't 
He wasn't trying to he hide something. He wasn't whitewashing something. anything or cleaning it out. Yeah, but, yeah, according to what he was saying, anyway. Mm-hmm. But he in, still defends this, by the way. Right. In general, that that's considered uh, bad form on Wikipedia. It's right. not. It's not explicitly against the rules. But yeah. you're not. You're generally. I mean, you're, you're generally. If if you find an inaccuracy about something that concerns you, um, due to, and, and they, they they have an acronym for it and all. Um, uh, it is the conflict of interest. Okay. Bit of it that um that yeah that you're supposed to submit it to an editor who can then make a non-conflict of interest judgment call about whether or not the edit needs to be made. That's interesting. That particular sequence is going to play an important part toward the end of this timeline conversation. <laughs> Definitely. Because it turns out some people have taken advantage of that uh, particular approach uh, to the point where they have been able to insert misleading information or at least leaving out important truths uh, in the process of quote-unquote correcting or uh, right. adding to an article. But we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. So Wales ends up getting some heat for this, uh, uh, even though... To this day, he says that you know it wasn't it was not a big deal. It's not that he, mm-hmm. he doesn't even say he didn't do anything wrong. He's like, I don't understand what the big deal is here. Right, right. I was fixing errors. Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, I did it. There was nothing wrong with what I did. Yeah. So calm down. But then you know, other people would say, well, if you had just gone through the regular channels, then it would have been a non-story. Sure. Yeah. Uh, May of two thousand five was when we had. Uh, an anonymous user who was later identified, but I'm not going to say the name here, but he, he posted comments in an article about Siegenthaler, John Siegenthaler, saying that he was a suspect in the assassinations of both John and Robert Kennedy. Uh, Siegenthaler is a journalist and was a friend to Robert Kennedy, actually one of his pallbearers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So Siegenthaler said that this amounted to Internet character assassination. Uh, the the comments were a hoax. It was supposed to be a joke, although I don't know who would find this particularly pretty, pretty funny. Pretty joke, yeah. yeah. But the hoax, uh, it was made in May, but it wasn't discovered until September of 2005. And then the mainstream media caught hold of the story and began to cover it. And this ended up being a big black eye on Wikipedia it, because everyone ran with the story saying, how can you trust a resource that anyone can go into and change mm-hmm. and vandalize or, or create a hoax like this, right. create a joke? Yeah. Insert completely prank. false information or delete something so that whatever is left is not an accurate portrayal of the actual subject. Uh, uh, quid pro quo, the entire site is useless. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, what <laughs> sensationalist yeah. media was kind of saying right, about it. Right. It definitely escalated to from, hey, sometimes you can't trust what's on Wikipedia to Wikipedia is bad because people are evil. Yes. And they will mislead you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't really think either extreme is healthy. Uh, while I often will dismiss Wikipedia in any sort of academic approach, I am not one to say that it's all that it's all bad, bad all the and time. useless. Yeah, there's sure. some things about Wikipedia that I find genuinely amusing, and there's some things I find genuinely helpful. But uh, but yeah, I would never go so far on either side. No, me, um, me neither. Yeah, it's good to know. So April 2006, we have another scandal. A guy uh, from Glasgow, uh, whose name I will not be able to say, Alan Mc- Mckilraith. McKilraith. It's got to be McIlwright. Right? I don't have it in front of me. That sounds it's, that sounds it's perfect. It's got to be McIlwright. I'm it's sure. M C I L 
W-R-A-I-T-H, McIlwraith. So he created a Wikipedia entry about himself that portrayed him as a decorated army officer, something that he was not. Ah. And uh, again, the mainstream media picked up on this and said, like, here's a guy who is promoting himself uh, created a false identity for himself, and uh, and this shows that you can't trust what's on Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, all this bad press was not particularly affecting uh, the growth of Wikipedia. By uh, by mid two thousand six, I think that they had five million articles published. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is. They went from. Uh, they had one million in English, but probably five million, I think, total. Total. Yeah. So. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> There's yeah. a little bit of debate about. Well, number. yeah, because I got confused. I saw at one yeah. point, like in 2004, they hit one million articles, and then I read later, I'm like in 2006, they hit one million articles. I'm like again. Again. And then I realized, oh wait, the first one, 2004, was one million articles total across all languages. 2006 was one million in English. Right. But it was the the growth was incredible, uh, and in 2007. We have another scandal. This is when it was discovered that a Wikipedia editor who was using a handle called SJ, E-S-S-J-A-Y, was discovered to have also created a false identity. In this case, SJ had been uh, posing as someone who held a PhD uh, in uh, uh, in theology, I assume, because he was saying that he was a tenured professor uh, with an expertise in canon law. And in reality, he was a 24-year-old guy who had been to several colleges in Kentucky. Did not, not hold a... less of an expert, perhaps, Yeah, but objectively speaking. He was saying that he had created this identity in order to give himself a buffer so that people who disagreed with him would not be able to attack him personally. So in other words, he was just creating a handle. It's just a little bit more... Uh, more involved than just a handle. But here's the problem. He was also using his fake credentials to back up his arguments whenever he was making edits. Oh, like, yeah, that's that, that that's going beyond. That's, yeah. yeah. He's saying, like, because of my expertise in this field, I know that this particular thing should be worded this way rather than that way. And he didn't hold those credentials. So the New Yorker writes about Wikipedia and they write about SJ before finding out that SJ is not who he claims to be. Then the information breaks that SJ is actually someone else, and the New Yorker ends up writing a pretty strongly worded response to that. And again, mainstream media blows up. And online it blows up. The community begins to sift through all the edits that SJ made on Wikipedia, uh, particularly in the places where he was using his false credentials to bolster his arguments. Because now the community has the responsibility to fix this, or if if it in fact needs to be fixed, they have to address it so that they can again sure. show that Wikipedia is something you can rely upon at least, or that it's at least useful, right? And not just that it shouldn't just be raised to the ground. Yeah, it's not just a database of information you cannot really be sure is accurate or not. Uh, it was you know it was fighting a powerful perception problem, right? Right, right. Uh, that was also did did you uh, that was also the year two thousand seven that Virgil Griffith, Griffith released Wikiscanner. Oh, um, I don't know about this one. Okay, so 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 Wikiscanner um, was this you know terrific little program that he wrote that uh, whenever an unregistered anonymous user edits a Wikipedia entry, the site logs the user's IP address. Ah. 
And, and this can come in terrifically handy because, you know, it, it's not, not all the problems are with people pretending to be who they aren't. When an anonymous user can log in and, and talk about anything that they want to, you know, for the kind of things that were coming out of this Wicca scanner business were facts like people from Apple IP addresses had been editing Microsoft pages on Wikipedia and vice versa. Right. Which um, is another reason why we find Wikipedia it's it's one of those reasons why it's hard to trust stuff because sometimes people with an agenda will go in and adjust a uh, an entry either to make one party and it look better than it than it would otherwise have looked or look worse depending upon the person's agenda. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm a member, you know, and, and Democratic Party members' IP address was traced to edits about Rush Limbaugh that were extremely unflattering. Yeah, this is this has happened. Any election year, this stuff runs rampant. Oh, sure. To the point where sometimes Wikipedia will lock down a particular page about a subject in order to avoid the crazy number of edits that different sides of a debate will will put onto a page in order to support their side. I mean, th- think about it. This is kind of crazy, right? It's like if I if I have a disagreement with Lauren about a particular subject. And then I go to Wikipedia and edit a page so it supports my argument. And then I cite Wikipedia as a support for my argument. That's it's pretty insidious. Th- that's dirty pool. Yeah, is what that is. Yeah, and and, and I don't want to say that all anonymous Wikipedia editors are are bad or doing nefarious things. Oh, not at um, all. For, not for, at all. For example, a couple of the other things that came out of this is that they found out that a um someone from the CIA contributed a really long entry about lightsaber combat. Um, some, someone from DARPA had written fairly extensively about Shia LaBeouf. I mean, you know, it's, it's just stuff, you know, it's not always bad. Right, yeah. And, but. And, and we don't mean to suggest that it's always bad or that this happens all the time. It's the fact that it happens. That's the problem. And, and you don't, you know, unless you are actually, uh, adept at looking at the edits page and understanding what that means, you may not be aware of something that's going on that's not quite right. And so, uh, while while the odds of that actually happening on any given page on any given day may be low, because you're talking about lots and lots of people using this resource and lots of opportunities to fiddle with it, it does happen. That's that's why you're like, you know, the odds are with you that you're going to be fine whenever you use Wikipedia. Sure, but, but there's yeah. still a but chance. There are, there are like 85,000 regular contributors and 77,000 regular editors on Wikipedia as of 2013. Right. So, and after that whole uh, that whole problem with uh, Siegenthaler, where the 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 quote unquote the joke about him being an, uh, a suspect in the assassination of the Kennedys. Uh, Wales had instituted a new policy saying that unregistered users can no longer post new articles at all. Oh, wow. Uh, because that because, was, yeah. that, th- he wanted to head off that problem. And then by registering, he hoped that that would uh, create more accountability. Now, of course, the SJ issue showed that there were other problems. And Wales came down pretty hard on that, too, once all the facts came out. Uh, in 2009, the arbitration committee had to restrict access to its site from the Church of Scientology IP addresses. Right. And also banned several anti-Scientologist editors because the two sides were both manipulating the same articles to either post Scientology in a positive or a negative light. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously well, that avoiding was probably that around whole, when, that, that was around when, uh, uh, Anonymous, I believe, was really yes. involved in, in their crash yeah. campaign. So, so that, the, the, the the thing that was coming up into question was the neutral point of view here, and both sides were trying to use Wikipedia to bolster their own arguments, 
and whether you side with one or the other, it was clear that both sides had agendas. And, uh, you know, some of those people may have been trying very hard to create an objective post, but there were a lot of people who really weren't. <laughs> and that's where the banning and the, uh, and the IP address blocking came in. And, uh, that same year, Wikipedia became licensed under Creative Commons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which basically just means that, uh, it's, it's licensed under their, um, share and share alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in other words, you don't have to worry about, uh, getting chased down by lawyers when you're reusing this material. And another, and you cannot, like a person who contributes to Wikipedia cannot claim that work to be their own at all. They have, they have essentially signed off. Right, right. You know, it, it's the, the content, um, is still technically owned by the contributors, but it is freely reproducible and distributable. Yeah. And when anyone can go in and edit it, actually, that was one of those things that people worried about early on in Wikipedia. They said, wait a minute, I'm an awesome writer. I write awesome things. My awesome. I deserve credit for my awesome things. Or, or I, even if I don't get credit, I certainly shouldn't be subjected to seeing other plebeians coming in and editing my awesome prose where I, I wrote this amazing, uh, piece on Optimus Prime and his importance to Western culture. And some idiot came in and said that he turned into this model of, of a, of a semi truck when clearly it was this other model of, yeah, that's, that, that was like an actual argument that happened on Wikipedia early, 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 early wow. on. Uh, but people have to let go because that's kind of the way Wikipedia works. Yeah. And as a writer, I can completely understand with the people who get really antsy about that. Um, although I would often turn my writing assignments into Chris and then never see them again until they were published on the page. And I was all right with it. Uh, <laughs> you, you learned to let go here at How Stuff Works. I learned to let go and I learned <laughs> that this way I don't have to look at those red marks all over my paper because Chris just fixed it himself. He takes care of it. It was awesome. It made me feel like I was a better writer than I actually was. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. 
Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Uh, in 2012, do you have anything between 9 I, and 12? I don't, actually. Okay, good. Yeah. We're going to wrap up the timeline pretty soon. The 2012, the big story I have was, of course, that Wikipedia took place in the blackout day on January 18th. Uh, of uh, Sopa and Pipa, yes. Yeah. Pippa. Pippa, Pippa, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> Let's it, do that. You haven't, you haven't been through the whole uh, ordeal of talking about Sopa and Pippa. I called it Pipa for about three weeks until... Everyone else in technology just consistently called it Pippa, and I said, "All right, fine. Okay. I, I, I've been wrong this whole time." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, SOPA and Pippa; those were, of course, the online piracy acts that were in consideration in in Congress in the United States. And several sites ended up doing blackouts to protest this proposed legislation uh, to bring more attention to it and say these the way these these laws or these these potential laws are worded, they could seriously harm the operation of the internet and and cause trouble to lots of people and lots of organizations and they should not be turned into law. Uh, and then uh, in 2013... Oh, but, but before before we leave 2012, really oh, quick, right, uh, sure. important cultural note, that is the year that Encyclopedia Britannica ceased publishing on paper after 244 years of doing so. You know, it's also kind of interesting. There was a... I remember... And I didn't write this down in my, my research because it didn't actually... It didn't occur to me while I was researching it. But I remember specifically there was a time... When Wikipedia was starting to consider looking for experts to send in articles, mm-hmm. just like the old Newpedia days, right. they were they were actually thinking about going to experts to get expert subject matter experts to write information for Wikipedia. At the same time, Britannica was looking at the possibility of crowdsourcing articles. So it looked like for a moment that these two models were about to flip flop. Uh-huh. Uh, that didn't actually happen that way, but I remember hearing about that. Or my brain just invented it. One of the two. <laughs> also interesting cultural point. Um, in between 2008 and 2012, this kind of dead space that, that we have created for ourselves in our timeline yeah. here, um, the Wikimedia Foundation total assets went from 5.6 million to about 49.3 million. Yeah. And again, it's existing on donations. On donations only. And, and so, and that's, that's fabulous for the concept of shared knowledge, I think. Right. That- and also really interesting to see what kind of, I mean, to know exactly what they mean when they, when they, uh, uh, have those giant banners every year to beg for money. Right, yeah, when you see Jimmy Wells' face on there mm-hmm. saying... On every know, page. Yeah. yeah. 
give money so that this can continue to exist. I mean, and, and not that you shouldn't donate. I, I just, you know, I, I just think that it's, it's an interestingly, it's, it's a really cool number. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's cool that they took that approach. I mean, it definitely gives them the benefit of saying, look, we're not beholden to any organization or company. We yeah. are accepting we donations. We are truly crowd, crowdsourced. And this, yeah. this is really meant to be uh, a tool to enrich the the human race really it's it's meant to really make things uh, better for everybody and it's not meant to be the platform for one company to say hey buy our stuff instead of that other guy's stuff right well in 2013 speaking about companies so that's this year uh, earlier this year, a story broke uh, that British Petroleum, or BP, I should say BP. BP is their better known. The, yeah. the Brits hate it when I say British Petroleum because they said, look, you, don't bring us into it's this. It's not our fault. The story was that BP had edited its own Wikipedia page, uh, maybe rewriting up to 44% of the content in order to make the environmental impact uh, of, the, of the oil spill. Yeah, the, the deep the water Gulf. horizon mm-hmm. in the Gulf to make that seem, uh, less bad, maybe? It's kind of hard to word this, uh, properly, but essentially that they had sort of whitewashed the, uh, the disaster and the follow-up to it. Uh, and here, here, I'm quoting this directly from CNET, which reported on this. BP is not directly editing its page, but instead has apparently inserted a BP representative into the editing community who provides Wikipedia editors with text. The text is then copied as is onto the page by Wikipedia editors, while readers are none the wiser that sections pretending to be unbiased information are, in fact, vetted by higher ups at BP before hitting the page. BP's image cleanup cleverly skirts Wikipedia's editorial rules, wherein Wikipedia editors are using text that BP posts on Wikipedia itself as the source, although the text is not published on BP's website. This way, the significant involvement of BP in its own entry is completely hidden from Wikipedia readers, while Wikipedia editors, as usual, argue and attack each other over editorial policy while BP's favorable PR editing continues. Right. And... uh all right. So, so there, there, there's really one person who is submitting these changes. Uh, someone by the name of Arturo Silver, uh, Silva. Pardon me. Um, he was from the Corporate Communications Department in Houston, and um, and he was actually going through the correct channels to submit these changes. He he suggested the changes to editors. Uh, he identified himself as a BP employee to those editors. So essentially, what was happening was that he was playing by the rules. Uh, it was, it was it technically was, in good faith, aside from the part that that you know it was still whitewashing, whitewashing the whole the, the whole situation, right. right? So, so these are like when we were talking about earlier about how you know Jimmy Wales had edited his own uh, his own uh, article and that he should have gone through the proper channels. These are those channels that we were talking about, right? This is what the BP person was doing, but it was still putting in. Possibly, you know, you might say well, biased information is clearly, Certainly. I mean, clearly yeah, yeah. biased. It's yeah. from the company that the page is about. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, there's no way it could be unbiased. If I write my own Wikipedia page, that's going to be biased. Even if I think I'm being objective, I'm still going to talk about how f- 
freaking awesome I am, you know? So, <laughs> right, right. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, like at that point, I would personally, and this is speaking as an editor, so I might be a little bit uh, uppity about it. I, I would blame the editors at that yeah, point. Sure. Because, because if they're not, if they're not going like, yeah, this is maybe not the right source to trust this information from, um, and this is going beyond a, a factual, a clearly factual change. They're not showing good editorial judgment. Correct. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, uh, and so, you know, Jimmy Wales actually came down again and said that that while BP is saying essentially that they totally played by the rules, he said that's not what the rules are there to protect. Right. The rules are there to protect against the kind of stuff that this this company is pulling. It's just this company is pulling the tricks within the context of the rules, which either means that the rules themselves are faulty or the people who are uh, – who are in charge, like the editors, like you were saying, Lauren, are faulty. At any rate, this is something that if I, you know, I don't want to put words into Wales' mouth, but I, I assume from what he has said, he would not want this to have happened. Right. Um, so anyway, all of that being said, there's an awful lot of information on Wikipedia and a lot of that. Over and, 24 million articles in 285 languages, in fact. And that, there's stuff on there that's incredibly useful. Uh, I mean, I, I use Wikipedia casually all, oh, the, all time. the time, every, all the probably time. every day. It is incredibly useful. Um, but because of what we've talked about, that's why a lot of teachers and, and, uh, publications like How Stuff Works say you cannot use Wikipedia as a source. And it's because of the reasons we've listed. It's not that it's a bad thing. I actually think that Wikipedia is an amazing idea. And it it's, is. it's actually phenomenal to me that it's worked as well as it has. Oh, right, right. You know, considering that, that certain, certain portions of the internet can definitely be a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Right. And, if, you, uh, if you look at YouTube comments and then you think, this is the same this is the same world that we live in where we can go to Wikipedia and read an article about something you know something really technically advanced and get a really good understanding of it uh, and it's this is a collaborative effort of, of, on the part of possibly hundreds of people sure and then you go to YouTube and you read the comments and you think how is this the same world <laughs> how what happened uh, so uh, you know it's amazing but there are also some things that you can poke some fun at. Like, uh, there was a, I wish I could remember what, which webcomic this was. And, and listeners, if you happen to know what I'm referring to, if you've been reading webcomics forever and this strikes a chord, let me know. But I remember reading a webcomic ages ago where it was a whole series about Wikipedia. Uh-huh. And one of the things they pointed out very snarkily was if you were to, uh, assume that the, uh, the, the, the entries that have the most words are the most important to the human race, then Optimus Prime would be way more important than Abraham Lincoln. I, I, I feel like that was Penny Arcade. Somebody, somebody, please, please write in and tell me that I I'm can wrong. tell you it was not Penny no? Arcade. Well, so? I mean, Penny okay. Arcade very well may have made that same joke, Okay, but I don't read Penny, Penny Arcade. Oh. So I know it wasn't Penny Arcade. All right. Well, that's fair. I, 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 I'm not, <laughs> I'm not criticizing Penny. Look, I don't read any web comics anymore. I just All don't right. have the time. Sure, but I used to read a lot of them. I recall, I recall seeing that that as well. At any rate, who, whoever created it, somebody, somebody write in and tell us because yeah. this is going to bug, bug yeah, me. I'll, all day. Otherwise, I, I used to. What, you know what's worse? I used to have these pinned up in my cubicle. They're not up there anymore. But I used to. Yeah, I can't even remember. But I used to have them. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, but well, anyway, that, not? that's one of those anyway, things. That's yeah. one of those things that you could joke about. Is that that seemingly. Irrelevant things would get a huge amount of attention because they were, they were interesting that, you know, especially stuff in geek culture that people are really, really passionately, uh, uh, 
interested in. Like, you know, uh, which again shows you why there are these wikis now that exist all around these properties. Right, right. And that's a perfect uh, format for that kind of level of minutia of, of interstory yeah. detail. I mean, it's ridiculous when I can look up a comic book character and see every single iteration of that comic book character. And then I look up and uh, someone who was fundamentally important in some huge moment in history and they have a fraction right. of that not, not that you not that you couldn't cover the important contributions of that person in that amount of space you might be able to but it just gives you this weird feeling like if of, i were to put these like, in scales yeah. why is this one so heavy <laughs> But anyway, but yeah, and you know, Wikipedia is as as of January 2013 the fifth most popular website in the world, behind only Google, Yahoo, Microsoft, and Facebook. Yeah, and in fact, ahead of uh, Amazon, Apple, and eBay. So I, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're doing, and and again, there's a lot of valuable stuff on there. So I know that we definitely kind of criticized Wikipedia quite a bit in this this podcast. But keep in mind, we're talking about specifically in the use for things like academic papers. Like academic research. And, 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 I, and I do want to say what we do, what Jonathan and I both do, I think, is um, we'll – did we say this already? We, we, we go to Wikipedia and we go straight to the resource section. Yeah, you look at the references and you look take, a look, take a look and see like, – because there you can learn – more about you know go to the 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 places where the the people who have written the article on Wikipedia where they got their information from because I mean that also allows you to remove the interpreter as right. well right because anytime you're reading an article on Wikipedia you're reading an interpretation of someone else's stuff because you know that's another thing we didn't mention on Wikipedia you do not publish primary information you don't publish information for the first right. time it, on it Wikipedia is specifically against the rules yeah you have to you have to if you're going to present a fact that someone could look up and verify or reject, you have to be able to cite it. And you cannot just do primary uh, publication right there. You know, it can't be like, this is this is original research that right. I'm publishing. You can't do that. Um, and so, it's, in theory, everything that's a verifiable fact within a Wikipedia entry should be referenced somehow. Sure. This can also get kind of ridiculous when you start reading things that are you know, demonstrably true, and everyone knows it. And then at the very end of the sentence, you see "cite." Yeah, like like need citation, guys. Yeah. And like, it's like seriously, oh, no, the the sun the sun exists. I, yeah. I know that we don't need a citation. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I wonder if that's just trolling as well. Sometimes I'm sure editor it is. trolling. Yeah, yeah. Editor trolling, um, where it's like, could you can you provide me with a cite citation to prove that this thing that everyone knows is actually a thing? But anyway, so that's our discussion about Wikipedia. Uh, if you guys have suggestions for topics we should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, I highly recommend you get in touch with us and let us know. You can send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. Or come visit us on Facebook or Twitter because we're so lonely. Our handle at both those locations is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. 
So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 